0: This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. I think we'll probably, I think there'll be some first base for Chris, but I think, you know, I'd like to see him on third base, I think, to start camp. And look, you know, it's, it's you know, Christopher's done so much with the bat that it's our job <laughs> to figure out the best way to deploy him.
1: Well... Good luck. I agree with Craig Council 100%. You got to find out, and this is when you can find out. That's fine. Just good. There's no downside
0: at all. Finding out. I am absolutely supportive of that. I just, I mean you, it.
1: You probably feel like you know what the answer is, and you're probably right. Yeah, I mean right. it but when they, I say they, good. They, they do need to find out. I know, but for the very first video they put out, his well, throwing
0: motions all wrong. That's
1: fine. They'll fix his feet work. Well,
0: that's the hard part. The
1: throwing motion, the easy part. The footwork's the hard part. They, so. they, look, they allowed Nick Madrigal to go out there and use five steps to throw the ball to first base last year.
0: Indeed, they did. Let's talk some Cubs, shall we, with Maddie Lee. Maddie Lee is on Twitter at Maddie underscore M underscore Lee. The Cubs beat writer for the Sun-Times is with us on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline. Download the Circa Sports app today. Hello, Maddie.
2: Hi. You guys have so many strong opinions here. I'm excited to get into it.
1: Well, what do you think of them making this choice with Christopher Morrell and saying, all right, kid, here's your shot. Go play third base.
2: I think it makes a lot of sense sense and for a number of reasons first of all he just hasn't had that time to focus in on one position and there's obviously things that they need to clean up right but he has so many physical skills that are not being used when he's just a dh and so i think it does make sense to you know this is the time right spring's the time to be like all right we're going to get you some consistency where you're not going from the infield to the outfield. Like, yes, he has a longer arm motion. Can we shorten that up? Can we get the footwork just drilled and consistent and see if that gets in there? Because really, if he can play third base, that clears up a lot of issues roster wise for them. And if, if at the end of this, they're like, "Hmm, didn't quite work. We think that actually second base, Still looks the best for him, but we don't have that spot for him, then, then he DHs. And you and didn't really lose anything because it's not like he's practicing DHing, you know, sitting on the sideline when they're doing infield drills.
0: Nor is there some issue that people say that it was always the Frank Thomas debate where someone's head is more in the game. And he, he, I, I don't think that's really brought up that much anymore because that's kind of been debunked. That if you tell him, look, you're, you're like, like Ken's his
1: DH numbers were great.
0: Like Ken says in Barbie, my job is beach. If you say your job is your job is hit, that's my job is hit. That that's what it is. And I think he'll be fine. You'll have his presence in the clubhouse and you'll have him around the team. You'll have him part of your, your, your everyday attack.
2: Well, it was something that he struggled with last year. He, he got there. He definitely got there, but for him, it was one of those things where you just have so much time in between at bats. Right. So what do you do with your time? And at first he was like, Oh, well, I have all this time. So let me really pour over video of my last at bat. Let me go get into the cage. I was like, if you do that, if you're trying to fill up all this time in between at bats, you're going to like, you're going to either physically or mentally spiral in, in, you know, to some extent. And so he really worked with Mike Napoli on, figuring out what that routine is, how to cut out some of that. And we definitely saw the effects of that as he settled into the position last year. Maddie,
1: do you understand Cubs fans that are maybe a little worried as they look at the calendar and spring games starting today and Bellinger is not on the Cubs roster?
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I've written about this um, and, you know, got into more detail there, but it's hard to argue right now that even with the internal improvement that they expect from a bunch of guys and like, that is real. Like there are a bunch of guys where you can see them taking jumps this year. It's really hard to argue that this team is as good offensively as last year. And they've definitely shored up the pitching side, both in the rotation and in the bullpen, but you gotta make up some of the run production that Cody Bellinger produce last year and they just haven't done that and so you know are we looking at a bunch of one run games if they're not if they're not going to bring in someone to replace some of that like how much yes you want run production is a really good place to, or sorry um run prevention is a really good place to start but you do have to score to win games
0: it's also because he is he, he. Bellinger gives such flexibility because of playing two positions well enough. You know, one still probably at a, at a at a plus plus level, the other at you know probably above average still in center field. And I'm I'm wondering how much the Cubs themselves are kind of looking around, like, all right, uh, any any time now, and who's settling into these positions? Because as the work goes on in spring training, the last thing anybody wants. Is to win that win a job and then have somebody parachute in and just take it from them. You know that that's something they'd have to deal with also.
2: Sure, I mean I think that's kind of best case scenario, right? If you have all these guys who have prepared and look really good, and then it's like, oh, actually, we got a better option. Like, you know, those guys will contribute over the over the course of the season. You're right, but he provides. He plays two positions where the Cubs could use more depth. And right now, first base, it's looking like Michael Bush and Patrick Wisdom are at the top of that list. But those guys are also guys who have played multiple positions. You know, we're talking about morale. It's, it's not exactly the same, but slightly similar thing on the other side of the infield, where two guys been working on a lot there, can definitely do it, um, but also don't have the experience and the track record that a guy like Bellinger has. And then in center field, Pete Crow Armstrong, they're obviously really excited about his potential, and we'll see what the bat looks like going into this year. They're also going to be working Alexander Canario in there some in spring. But it's nice to have a veteran guy around to take up a lot of those innings.
1: When it comes to the agent, the the agent for the four players that a lot of people are looking at, does it feel like collusion to you from the teams, or does it feel like the, the agent is really just trying to get every single dollar that he can for his client?
2: Yeah, I mean, Scott Boris has shown that he is willing to wait into the spring, and he's not the only one, right? Like, there have been other years where this has happened. You know, you look at 19, you had Machado and Harper both signing late. It's, this isn't completely unheard of, but it has been a late off season. And those four guys are all very, very good. And so that's why we're all honing in on, wow, you know, we've seen how a good chunk of the off season has played out, but, a lot of the guys that we were talking about at the beginning, we still don't know where they're going to end up. And that could really change the outlook of, you know, a lot of different divisions out there, depending on where they land. So the calendar is always something that teams can leverage, right? About being like, okay, we know that your client would like to know where to move his family and where they have to set up both for the regular season and for spring training, um, and we know that your guy would like to get to know his teammates, you know, especially if he's going to a team that he isn't familiar with. So teams have always been able to leverage that. Uh, and essentially, what Scott Boris has done with his track record is say, like, eh, that's not going to work on me. Like, try again.
1: Maddie, have you ever laughed at a Scott Boris pun?
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to have to admit, yes. I am, did you I feel Did you feel
1: good about it afterwards? <laughs> uh,
2: I, as you can tell by my hesitation to admit it, not consistently. <laughs> I, to be honest, I, I did. I think he had some of his best work this past off season was around Bellinger. So I was like, "All right, cool. I can I can do the the loosen the belt, full belly one. Like I liked that. Got to use that in my stuff. Uh, some of them, you're like, "Ooh." Maybe a little bit of a stretch, Scott, but keeping the brand going.
1: He is definitely
0: keeping the brand going. I loved something that Craig Council said. There's, there's two sort of thematic statements that I've really enjoyed since he's taken the job. One at his press conference, and, and I think he was speaking with us after the press conference when he said there's a lot of luck in our game. And it's one of the most important things to remember in baseball that doesn't, it's just not said often enough. And about spring training, he said, the results don't matter. And I love that. So, because so many people like to pretend that somehow, even though guys are getting work in, or even though I'm only throwing change-ups, or you've got Christopher Morell playing third base, that we pretend the results matter because it looks like they should. And he says, the results don't matter. How will that manifest itself in how he is actually managing Cactus League games?
2: Sure. I mean, I think at first, it's we're going to most, the most obvious place that we're going to see it is with pitchers and how long they're going. And like, I think any manager will tell you, you obviously don't sacrifice the, like, the guy has to be ready to do what you're asking him to do. You're not going to leave him in for the sake of the results of this game. Um, but I think we're also going to see it in terms of like behind-the-scenes work. He's talked a little bit about how as we get deeper into spring, he, they're going to have some like individual days where guys can just work one-on-one, two-on-one with a coach and like nail down something that they really want to get done and that's a something that they just don't have the opportunity to do very often during a season and so that's a place where you know there's so much pressure even if you tell a young guy don't worry about it results don't matter they still got somewhere in the back of their head like Oh, but what if I do get go four for four today? Like maybe that'll at least make like an impression, if not, you know, it's not gonna get me the job, but like maybe that'll stick. But if you take them into these more one on one, we're just hunkering down and working, that takes away a little bit of that.
1: You guys have tried pretty hard to to nail Jed down on what he thinks of the off season that he's had, and maybe the the true answer is incomplete because there are still players out there to be signed but this if when they when they signed council Maddie it felt like okay the, the Cubs see an opportunity here and they're trying to seize it and the rest of the offseason has felt like do they really think that they can be competitive with what they have on the roster at the moment
2: for sure. I Jed definitely tried to dampen expectations at the time of the council signing saying like this doesn't necessarily mean that we go out and like spend the most money ever but of course like people are going to look to the action as opposed to that comment right um and so i think like i said before i do legitimately think that imanaga is a really good addition and you know they're trying to replace marcus stroman but stroman also was hurt for a lot of last year and like even though he was one of the best pitchers in the National League to begin the season, he just wasn't out there for a good chunk of it. And so I think Imanaga's addition does give them a boost on that side within that context, you know, even though he will have a bit of an adjustment period. um, I think Hector Neris's addition in the bullpen will definitely shore some things up, both with – what he does on the field, but then also having that veteran presence with a young group that was able to prove that they have potential but also, you know, wore down towards the end of the season. So it started stacking up where you're like, oh, this is – it started late, but it's looking like it's going in a good direction. Michael Bush looks like a, a good young guy who has a lot of potential, who can play a position where they had a lot of question marks. But then the offense now, you've heard the conversation shift from, oh, yes, we of course want to replace Bellinger's offensive production to, well, we can do that with internal improvement. And I think some of that is – a bit of leveraging like you don't want to telegraph like hey everyone who has a free agent still out there we really need hitting like that's not going to help you in negotiations. as I said before I think some of that is real where they do think that they have improvement from a lot of guys that they can count on of course some guys will have a bad season um, to counteract a little bit of that but they do have a bunch of guys that they've circled and then also you look at the division. If they were in another division, it would be even harder to sell that message. Yes. But right now it's like, ooh, NL Central isn't really hasn't really shaken out to have a really clear favorite Maddie,
0: how much does Jan Gomes's age factor into their plans for playing time this year at that position? meaning the the bat of Amaya has been exciting, I think. And, and I think the possibilities there remain a bit tantalizing. And he's,
1: he's done a good job receiving, too. He's gotten better in a lot of areas. Is this going to
0: be more shared responsibility this year?
2: It's looking like it, um, but I think that'll all just play out over the course of the season. They're looking at it as, all right, we've got two catchers who could both take on a big chunk of the innings back there. And so, you know, if Amaya gets really hot and they want him in the lineup, and pitchers have all spoken so highly of kind of his calm presence behind the plate, then, like, maybe it shifts towards him. Or if he's, you know, slumping and and Jan, you know, we saw a bunch of big hits from Jan Gomes last year, kind of as he had, you know, year one for him, has typically been a little bit of a slightly more down offensive year as he's bounced around the league. And then year two, you know, now that he knows the pitching staff, and that's really his focus, right, is the defensive side, the pitching staff. Once that's all settled, then year two, he tends to pick up more. So I think they're really kind of leaving it open and know that both guys are capable of carrying a big load you know, as long as they both stay healthy. Because
0: I think it would be a great sign. I, I think if, in fact, you are realizing, boy, we, we got to play Amaya, that that means things are good. And that means you yep. can rest Gomes, and then Gomes can be a, a, a capable late inning guy, pinch or, hit or bat. DH.
1: There was some of that sure. last
0: year. Sure, I just I, I think that that would be if you're if you are planning out things that would that if they happen would be bellwethers of a of a really strong Cubs year. Would be the emergence of Amaya as of as a viable everyday guy.
2: Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about guys who have potential. To have better offensive seasons than they did last year. He's definitely
1: one of them. Maddie Lee, we appreciate you. Uh, as the CEO of House of L, I would like to apologize to you for what happened on Sports Adjacent. Um, that oh, is,
3: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> they should not. They should not have called you on on Valentine's Day, just knowing that you were working. I I reprimanded them both, and uh, it'll never happen again.
2: Well, that and then Jason Lee. like if you're someone's Valentine's Day backup options, like keep it a little hush hush. Don't tell them to your face.
1: Right. That's you. That person you usually talk to (laughs) on the 15th, not the 14th, not the night of the 14th. Like that's that's breaking all sorts of protocols. It's quite ridiculous. Um, He'll be scolded uh, when he joins us at one o'clock. Maddie Lee, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. Take care, guys. That's Maddie Lee. Now, you want to do your mailbag story? Sure, All right. Sure, because the first few paragraphs of Darnell's, his mailbag, need to be read. And then the congregation say amen. And he raises a really interesting point, something that you've brought up as it pertains to this particular generation of Bulls teams. We'll discuss that next here on The Score.
0: Bernstein and Holmes, midday's 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Boss, We're looking forward to getting to some Bears talk later on in the show because it's a busy day at Hallis Hall. They are meeting the media, the newly minted coordinators, are publicly available for the first time, and boy, Matt Eberflus looks like he's lost weight. Looks like he slept. He's he, lost stress. He's got a little beard going. He's got kind of a John Stewart look.
3: Yeah, it's looking good, man. I, looking good.
0: He looks th- like the
1: president from Scandal. Scandal.
0: That's I, what he looks like. I, I think he's he's throwing down the gauntlet. I, th- I think this is a like a physical challenge. Fitness to Mark Rodin. challenge where he wants Grody to hit the hit the weights and hit the treadmill. Well, I, hey, mean, I
1: remember when they did the the coaches thing down at the Biltmore, Matt injuries looking good. They do the, the coach's coaches photo, he was yeah. in, in shape. He's ready to go.
3: Well, I'm not sure if you guys have looked at or watched the latest edition of the Daily Score podcast, which is available on the Score's YouTube channel, uh, but Mark Grody got a little haircut.
0: Really?
1: God damn time. Well, it looks like Fluce has got a haircut too. Damn hippie, cut your hair, hippie!
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah that is right, studs. Um, Eber Fluce's hair is a little, little trimmed up too.
1: Well, good for him. I'm glad. I'm, I've never. I, I always feel like Matt Eber Fluce looks good. That's not the issue.
3: He looks good, and he could call a defense, right? That's
1: right. And, and he, he, and he said that he's gonna. Yes, apparently continue. Matt Eber
0: will, regardless of the new hire, continue to call the defense.
1: We'll bring it to you when we can, once it's all done. I, right? I. Right. So, Dan, I'm checking in, because, you know, the Bulls start play tonight. They're back. They're back, baby. Taking on Boston tonight over at the UC. Pre-game starting at 645 with our guy Chuck and Bill. So, I'm like, oh, what's, what's up with the Bulls? Everyone's kind of had a day off. I open up the athletic app, see my guy Darnell Mayberry. Headline reads, it's business as usual for the Bulls, and that's fine by them. A mailbag. Whoa. It's coming out the chute, baby. It's coming out the chute. Whoa. Now, let me just share. I know that people get frustrated sometimes when you you or I read on the show. I just want to share a few paragraphs of this and then have a discussion. So, here we go. Darnell writes, I had a casual conversation with a high-ranking Chicago Bulls executive shortly after the NBA's trade deadline. We didn't agree on the direction of the franchise. The Bulls stood pat at the deadline for their third straight season. They did nothing despite substantial evidence that the injury-plague roster isn't close to contending at a high level and likely won't be anytime soon. My point of contention was the front office punted on a pass offered happily by the team's fans. A rebuild, quote, unquote, your fans, the executive counter. Wait, to Darnell? Yes. Said your, as in Darnell's fans? We're getting to that. Initially, I didn't get it. I don't have fans. I'm a fan, Darnell. People read me at The Athletic and follow me on social media because they're Bulls fans. I thought the exec was trying to be snarky. It felt like an attempt to downplay our subscribers and passionate followers of the team on social media. But the comment wasn't made to downplay anyone. It was delivered to emphasize the difference. The Bulls fans the executive was making reference to are paying customers. My fans, by and large, aren't the segment that fills the United Center on cold Chicago winter nights. That exchange, albeit brief, provided tremendous insight into the minds that make up the Bulls' management. With that as a backdrop, here's a spicy edition of the mailbag in which fans let their frustration be known. I don't even think I need a mailbag after that. That's pretty good. Two words. Dinner theater. That's what you've been saying, and this kind of speaks to what
0: you've been talking about. If it's just entertaining enough in that two and a half hours, they've done their job. Or three hours if you come early and you watch all of the acrobats and the tumblers and the dancers and everything that they They do. They could probably do it even more cheaply if they want it. It's a great entertainment product. And if they want to be the
1: Savannah Bananas, maybe that's the plan. Yeah, but the Savannah Bananas tell you that they're not playing baseball. They tell you they're playing banana ball. The Bulls are trying to tell you that they play basketball.
0: Maybe they just have to. That's the whole point. Is, if the marching orders have come for the... What I would need to know, it's one thing for it to be a high-ranking basketball official. We're never going to get a smoking gun. We're never going to get the email that says, hey, this is this is the, the business that we're in. We're not in the competition win championships business. We're in the fill the building, entertain people business. I mean, so, don't we
1: have that smoking gun on Reinsdorf, though? Not on Michael. Not on Michael, but on Jerry. But not on Michael. Okay.
0: And it's it's Michael's team. Okay. But this this idea of—by the way, he
1: also sat in on the lunch with Cranes.
0: But didn't say anything. He was, right. He was like the the Cubs general
1: manager. <laughs> He's Carter Hawkins. He, right. He was what Jed Hi, was. Hi, this is Carter Hawkins. That's not Carter Hawkins. How would you know? Yeah, how would you know?
3: It's hey, right. Carter did speak the other day, yes, though. He did. He did. As
1: far as
0: you know, it's Carter Hawkins. That's Clark the Cub. No, he's wearing pants. Who, Clark or Carter? Carter. Carter is. We presume Clark's never wearing pants. Well, why would you? If you don't have to, there's no reason he should. That's old. It's jar. obscene. What was what was the Rosner rule after seventy? Yeah, Clark's like five years old. He's we, not. We he's not seventy.
1: That. He's in bear years. He's still not seventy. I don't know. We don't know that. He could be an old soul. Yeah, he's probably an old soul. But if he is a cub, and that a means jerk. But
0: if, but if he's a cub, that means he's not a a bear yet. So he would have to right. be young. Right? So he's young. Right? He'd put
1: some pants on or yeah. a diaper. He would have to. Clark sleep. needs a diaper. Get that man a diaper. Sack. Get get that hashtag going. See it. <laughs> what? So they, they, Hashtag they Clark said Clark needs
0: a diapy. They, they, they said you your that's just weird. You're, your not, fans. That, uh, our fans are the ones in the So if we really do strip out the difference between Bulls fans in the building and Bulls fans outside the building, that would be I wonder what they know or what their data says that their business is fine continuing to cater to just those fans because my belief is that ultimately one is a function of the other, that the people, if if there is a long enough drought of competitiveness or a lack of hope, at some point people aren't going to keep paying what it costs for
1: that kind of entertainment. People are mostly happy when they go to Bulls games. As you've you've said before, it's a great product. Like, the, everything that's around the basketball, and occasionally the basketball, is a great product. Plus, it's the NBA, so that's pretty great. You see some of the best athletes in the world play every night. The problem is, is that if you're judging your performance based on the people that come to games, yeah, people, they've been planning to go see the Bulls for months, considering the prices of Bulls games. Yeah, they had a great time. My nephew, we went, little Cam. Cam had a great time. His first Bulls game. Of course he had a great time. Of course. They were playing Memphis that night and had to work too hard to beat a terrible Memphis team. But, of course, he had a great time. Any kid that goes to something that's loud and fun and there's stuff going on and DJ Flipside is doing his thing, that's that's great. That doesn't mean that the dad or the mom or the uncle or auntie that paid for those tickets wouldn't like to see the Bulls be competitive. Like it's 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 such a myopic way to look at how your fans feel. When I've spent five hundred dollars to 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 take a a couple of kids to a game, yeah, that's not a neutral
0: sampling, yeah. If, you're, if some people are at the game cheering for Kobe
1: White, that's their big night to go to the game. Maybe they need to go out to the South Lots and start talking to people. Maybe they need to do a man on the street. Go ask a Bulls fan that isn't in your building how they feel about the Bulls right now. And you know what you're going to get? Meh. You're going to get meh. It's It's... It's not even that people are necessarily like it's very different. White Sox fans are angry, and they have every right to be because they know their teams. They know their teams. huge I don't like our team. And they also. Right. They also. No hate one them, does. They also hate themselves. Yeah, Bulls fans are like, when are you guys gonna do something? Because you talk about the
0: championships and the and the trophies and all that. So this whole thing of the six trophies. That meant something, and it was important, and we loved it. And those guys are now in Australia having their listening (laughs) sessions and bitching about a documentary, all based off of all that. So how about we get back to trying to do that like other teams do in the NBA?
1: Yes. Instead of just, like, the idea of only catering to the 22,000 that show up for games, which are a different twenty
0: two thousand most nights, but the, the it's problem is kind of insulting. Look, and I contribute to it too, and this is the constant because of your podcast conflict. Not because of the podcast, but we deal with it on the podcast. You know, we deal with not. We have the no doom spiraling rule.
1: You should go ahead and allow that now. So
0: every once in a while, we do. I waived it after I waived the no doom spiraling rule for keep the post deadline,
1: and we you do, should you should actually change the name. <laughs> of the podcast you bulls doom spiraling but that's but the point of the name of the podcast is is that point
0: that's a reminder keeping the word championships out there is is a reminder that that name was was not chosen without a lot of thought but the problem that we have is that look i'm watching every game and i get excited when it's a close game of
3: course and it's
0: fun and I just spent a hundred dollars on Andre Drummond. Look how big my balls are! T-shirt. Same. <laughs> I got it in. Yar. I got it in black. Yar. I bought it for Jason in white. Wow. And we wore them. Uh, together to, to, and display. made your
1: daughter angry. Well, she
0: just thought it was weird. She didn't, she didn't get the bit. And then, she, well, she also said, please don't make fun of me for not understanding the bit. And then you immediately no, ran I to a microphone. I didn't. And I made fun of your no, daughter. No, it's not true. I promised her I wouldn't. And I haven't made fun of her for not understanding the bit.
1: I think you need to go back and listen to you discussing it. No, I didn't. Because you absolutely made fun no, of I her didn't. for not getting I the didn't bit. make fun of her. I just pointed out that she didn't understand the bit.
3: Into the microphone.
1: I didn't make fun of her. To, to a million people. I didn't make fun of her. It's all good. On the highest rated sports show in Chicago. <laughs> so she... By a mile, by the way. <laughs> Maybe so... you didn't make fun of her, but that's a bus toss. Exactly. Well, I Yeah, mean... yeah. You're, you're like, uh... What's his name? I didn't the, say I wouldn't bust the St. John's coach, Rick Pitino. Pitino. That's you. Oh, well, no. I mean in the bus tossing <laughs> but aspect, that,
0: man. The he—that's one of the great double insults. You talk about not giving a damn, and he can walk oh, away. And, down. and you go right? He said something. This—this this is the, one of the great coach quotes I've ever seen in my life. He said, "Do we have crappy facilities? Yes, but that's no excuse for not guarding." And it's like basically my bosses suck, my players suck, drop the mic, walk out. But like that was I mean, you. But I'm look, I, I it's I'm part of the problem. If I'm spending all that the disposable income, which I don't really have on Andre Drummond's look how big my balls are, t shirt. Right, now you're
1: just lying to people. Nope. You have a hundred dollars, Dan. I have a hundred dollars. Not for that I don't. Sure you do. Not for that I don't. Come on, man.
0: Also, no.
3: that's going in Andre Drummond's pocket, not the bulls.
1: I don't know who gets the money,
0: but if Andre is using it to help pay his fine, we we're all Andre. Yeah, you got a hundred
1: dollars. I don't
0: anymore. I spent it on an Andre Drummond. Look how big my balls are
1: T-shirt,
3: which was not from the NBA's <laughs> website or the Bulls website or whatever.
1: I think I think the funniest thing that happened today is Dan out here talking about he ain't got a hundred dollars. Well, I don't anymore. You got another hundred dollars somewhere. Just,
0: they just raised $100 tuition $100 by five percent. No, I don't. And change, I would. Meanwhile, no. The reason I you know why I don't have change. There's a guy with a great bit. When you go to Sunnyside, when you go to Sunnyside Dispensary, okay, you have to pay with cash or with a debit card. They don't take credit cards. Oh, that's interesting. It's a. It's the law.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, you you can't pay for weed, legal weed, with a credit card. So, but you can pay with a debit card. But what they do is they give you. They have to do it on a round number for their own accounting purposes. So they'll round up, and then they give you cash in change. It's it's random. I don't know exactly how it works. It's like, well, it's sixty three. Well, we're gonna we got to make it seventy. This feels like something a high person made up. But it's up to the next. Whatever it is. So they get round up, man. And, and there's a guy standing Smoke at this, weed and every and day. There's, and there's one exit, and there's a guy who stands there as you walk out and he says, Spare some change. Oh, that's a good ploy. Meanwhile, you got a handful of, of coins. Like, of course. Of course I don't you want, can have this change yeah, what that I, I don't want. Right. It's gonna sit in my car with a bunch of stale mentos and toothpicks. <laughs> so Here, sure, of course. You want the change? Take it. And he's
3: probably counting on people being high going up in there. So, of course, you're going to be like, yeah, bro, I just got all this change, bro. Then take it, man.
1: Isn't that what the Girl Scouts were doing?
3: They're smart if they are.
1: Hell yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, they were outside the weed store selling the cookies. You did? Hell yeah.
1: I would like all of the cookies.
3: That is capitalism right there. Yeah, it is. Genius. Um, There is actually. I just
0: kind of looked at it. I'm like, you you got a good bit going. Hey.
1: Dan ain't got a hundred dollars.
3: Ah! Get out of here!
1: <laughs> if he was like, I don't have thirty thousand dollars to just give away frivolously. This man came in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty-four. This man, Dan Bernstein, said he ain't got a hundred American dollars. Not for that, Dan Bernstein. Who you crap? Not for that, I don't.
0: Not for Andre Drummond. Look Ooh, how big crap. my but balls are! T-shirt. But you got it for weed, sir. Well,
1: that's medicinal. <laughs> that's 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 good for you. Yeah, it is. If it, if it keeps you calm, I'm I'm for you spending that money on it. It is a high quality T-shirt, though.
0: I will say that. I it thought is, you were going to say the weed. Well, yeah, but it's it's a really good T-shirt. It's like really, it's heavy and double stitched. I've ripped two
1: T-shirts this week.
3: Well, yeah, no, brother. <laughs>
1: You're hulking out? I just, I'm like, oh, okay, so these are worn now. I need to, I was trying to take the tag off one. And so, you know, you yank it. You're like, like, uh. Right. And it's like, rip. And I was like, oh, oh mother. So mother. mother. So then I'm like winding it around and it's tearing Dumbass. apart. And then the other one, you know, I tucked it in. And so I grabbed it, rip. like, come on, man. A rough one. Like, what is the matter with you? That's right, brother. I'm a real American. <laughs> Fight for the rights of every man.
0: Are the bears still talking? Yes. All right. So when we come back, I, I need a favor. And it's a hundred dollars. No, this is actually this is actually fairly I'm fairly serious. There's something that is going on at a place that uh, I've I've talked about over the years, going back for a long time. And you just got to promise me that if I if I drop dead tonight that you'll there's something that you will handle for me in my abstention. All right, please.
1: Oh, okay. okay, we'll do that. Yes. We'll talk about a tease. We'll do that next in the score. You're
0: listening to Bernstein and Holmes midday's 10 to 2 on 670. The score.
1: We'd like for you to stay put because at after one o'clock, you're gonna hear from new offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. It's kind of an interesting position that he's in because clearly people want to know if he knows what quarterback he's going to be coaching. And they try desperately to get him to answer that question. Yeah, it's pretty much hooray for everyone. I mean, he's he has to. He can't, right. you don't want him giving away what the Bears are gonna do. So it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say.
0: Now, I tweeted about this over the weekend, and I guess this is part part of me just, I've I've got got a vent, and part of it is to ask a favor. And out of State College, Pennsylvania, Penn State trustees and high-ranking university representatives met privately twice in January to discuss whether to name the football field at Beaver Stadium after former coach Joe Paterno according to three people with direct knowledge of the conversations, This is from Spotlight PA. The meetings potentially violate a state law that requires governing bodies to conduct business in public view. A group of trustees, and you know who's leading it, it's Anthony Lubrano, who we've who I've had on these airwaves. He is absolutely out of his mind. He's completely crackers. And 10 years ago, when a lot of this was going down and he was still on the board and fighting against everything and trying to clear Paterno's name of any connection or wrongdoing and save his job. The people who came out who were, I I got emails from fellow board members. I got emails from his now ex-wife. Explaining all of the pathology that was involved here. So it's the same guy, and he's got his henchmen. They're, they won't stop. Thankfully, this was tabled once it came to light because it was an illegal meeting. They're allowed to convene in secret only for certain reasons, and this is not renaming the football field after somebody who knowingly facilitated decades of child rape is not a legal reason for them to meet secretly in executive session. They're going to keep trying is my point. They're never going to stop. They're going to wait until they think people forgot all
1: of the atrocities that Paterno facilitated. It's funny because you would think that if, if they were smart, they would also go away for a while. But... They're never going to stop. There are
0: forces at work in this university, to this day, that are just waiting for you to forget. They're waiting to tell the victims how little they care. Not just the victims we know, not just the victims who have had some sort of legal recourse and remedy, not just those who have been courageous enough to face all of the slings and arrows of coming forward who essentially had ruined their lives to tell their stories under oath to put Jerry Sandusky away for the rest of his life because of what, what Paterno was knowingly allowing to happen in his locker room on his facilities and the way that his football program was being used to cover everything that the Second Mile Foundation was, and that was a victim farm for Jerry Sandusky. They're going to Keep trying. They're they're never gonna stop. And it needs to be called out every at every single turn, the sunlight needs to be shown on these efforts to continually insult and demean these victims of everything that was perpetrated in what for me was a career changing scandal in sports. And in some ways defining, based on what it, it taught me about the way about certain human behaviors what i learned about college sports fans what i learned about some aspects of college coaching and fandom in general the way people behave if i get killed in some burst of random gunfire what, what whenever are doing right now Dan? i'm just saying you got to promise me you got to promise me Anytime you see this, anytime you hear it, whether it's social media or anywhere else, because there aren't a lot of us left who care this strongly about it, push against it. Tell the truth about it because they're never going to stop. They're never going to stop. And they expect you to be lazy. They count on you forgetting. They count on you having a short attention span.
1: Don't let them. I think that most people will take up that cause because it's a righteous cause. You ready to hear from Shane Waldron? Oh, am I ready to hear from Shane Waldron? You ready to hear Shane Waldron dodge, duck, dip, dive, Dive and and dodge? dodge. You're going to hear that next on the score.